Welcome to the Teaching with Inquiry live podcast replay, fitting it all together to make inquiry-based learning accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. I may be the only teacher that enjoys teaching a split grade, but I want to share some of the strategies that I have used over the years that I've had a split grade classroom, which is the majority of my career so far. I want to share with you the strategies that help to make managing a split grade just a little bit easier. Number one, I'm sure this comes as no surprise, but use open-ended task and inquiry-based learning whenever you can because it simplifies your teaching. When you are using inquiry-based open-ended tasks, it means you are spending less time teacher-directed lecture-style teaching, which means you're not constantly having to flip back and forth and teaching all day long. You want to put your kids and your students in the driver's seat of being in charge of a lot of finding the answers to their own questions and discovering the learning. You spend most of your time observing, conversing, and assessing those learnings and reflecting with your students on what it is that they have discovered. Remember, in a split grade classroom, you have one class. You just have a wider official range of abilities in your room. In fact, in the years that I've taught split grades and the years I've taught a straight grade, which is less, I would have to say that there is really no difference in the ability levels in my classroom. Even straight grade classrooms have a wide range of abilities in those rooms. So there really isn't much of a difference. When I factor in that with my straight grade classroom, I have IEPs at all levels and my split grade classroom where I still have IEPs and I just happen to have half my classes working at one grade and the other half is working at another grade, I still have a variety of levels in my classroom. In fact, for my special education students, I always found a split grade to be a lot easier for them because of the way I structured my class, they often didn't know whether the work they were doing was a grade five or a grade four work. It was just work. So it allowed me to differentiate their work and meet them where they are and help them progress to where I needed to get them to without them having the misconception that they were doing work that was less than what they should be doing. A lot easier for my special education students to work at their own level because I had to structure my program in such a way that there were open-ended tasks so I wasn't doing double the work as my straight grade colleagues. My big goal always with working with my special education students is hiding them in plain sight so that I am meeting the terms and conditions of their IEP without them necessarily sticking out like a sore thumb when it happens. So for that reason, I really like to use open-ended tasks, tasks that have multiple entry points or not always tasks that have one right answer. You can look at even math problems that have more than one strategy to solve it, whether or not some of your students are still working on repeated addition or other students are beginning to look at how to use multiplication to solve those types of questions, allowing open-ended tasks where students can use different strategies that are all applicable in 
order to solve it means that they can successfully attack that question and solve it in their own way. Restricting students to only one method or one way of doing things will actually have you doubling your work when you're a split grade teacher. So having open-ended tasks where you accept multiple entry points and allowing to meet students where they are will mean that you have differentiated tasks that are easier for you to allow multiple students to access one task and one activity. It's one of the many reasons why I introduced the differentiated morning math sheets in my classroom for math. They are open-ended math pages that allow students to start with a different number of the day. So my students that could handle four and five digit numbers would use that and all of the tasks would allow students that are using a four or five digit number to do all of the activities on the page. Whereas other students are using a three or even a two digit number can still use the exact same page as everybody else, except their number of the day is simplified. So having one page that I print that uses, that allows multiple students success with that page and simplifying the numbers that they're using definitely allowed me multiple students being able to hide in plain sight and also able to complete the task where I only had to prep one page and all of my students could accomplish it. Creating open-ended tasks in other subjects includes using things like choice boards, where students have a choice of what activity they're doing. And if the choices are differentiated, your students that are working below grade level can make one choice, and your students working above grade level can make two choices or do some of the higher-end tasks. And you can talk with them about how they can level themselves up and how you want them to challenge themselves and getting them to recognize where their zone of development is and that the work should not be too easy. If the work is too easy, they should choose a different question. They want to struggle a little bit and talking to them about the learning process and where they themselves need to be along that journey is really important when you're talking about getting students to challenge themselves and use choice boards effectively. Using tests for me in a split grade classroom was always quite the event. My colleagues would always know it was testing in my classroom because I would completely take over the staff room table because I would have about six to eight different versions of each test that I would give students based on what levels they were doing. I didn't always like using tests because I had to design eight of them and then mark eight of them to meet everyone's different needs. So I would much rather use projects instead. Certainly tests can still be used and there are places for tests, but when you don't rely solely on tests and you use open-ended projects instead that allow students to work at their own pace and their own level to accomplish those tasks, it is going to simplify your marking and simplify what is happening in your classroom so that you aren't, again, planning eight separate tests for the eight separate individual learning profiles that might be in your classroom. Whenever we can create qualitative questions instead of quantitative questions, where we can have questions and answers that allow students to express their ideas and write their opinions without always having one right answer, it means that in a split grade classroom, we can cover more students with the same activity than having to design multiple work. The goal in your split grade classroom is to differentiate and have as many 
kids be able to accomplish that same task and you can assess their different learning skills or the different expectations they hit with one task, almost like a triangular funnel. We want to get them all in and have them access. You will still have students that are working outside of that funnel, but you really want to have students where the task that they complete is they can all access it and then you can funnel the learning that they demonstrate into the different categories that you are supposed to assess. The next thing that's really important with a split grade classroom is building independent work skills. Yes, every single student can build and work independently when two different criteria are met. Number one, they have trained themselves to work independently. They know clearly what the expectations are to work independently and you have practiced, practiced, practiced and they've built up that muscle. They have built up their independent work muscle through practice and training. That has to happen first or otherwise it's just going to fall apart. We can't simply just expect students to be able to work independently without training them what that looks like, feels like, and what it looks like to be successful at this task. The second feature that you need, it doesn't matter how hard you train your students to work independently. If the work you are giving them is unfamiliar, if the work you are giving them is not at their independent level, if you have not spent enough time modeling, sharing, guided, getting them to where they're ready to work on it independently, where the work is at or slightly below what it is they can do with your support, then it most likely will fall apart. The work during independent tasks needs to be at their independent work level. If it's not, then they will struggle with independent work. So really getting to know your students and know where they are is important. Now, this goes back to those independent open tasks. If you have open tasks that allow multiple students to show different ability levels within that task, students will do an amazing thing where they will differentiate for themselves. They will work at their independent level to the best of their ability during those independent tasks when the work is more open-ended, when there's multiple ways of success. When it's simply a question and answer page and they're not sure what to do or they don't know how to find the answer, that's when we're going to have a problem. So make sure that the tasks that you're assigning for independent work periods are at their independent level and that you have trained and spent some time getting them ready for those independent expectations. Third is using the triangulation of data. Your data, your assessment should be split between three different areas, observations, conversations, and products. Because a split grade teacher will have products that meet two separate expectations, two separate grade level expectations, we want to use more observations and conversations than we would traditionally use. Most teachers heavily use products as the form of their assessment, or we value product assessment more so than observations and conversations. However, your observation and conversational data happens in the moment in your classroom. You are not having observations and conversations of your student learning while they're at home playing soccer or doing dance and ballet. You are doing the observation and conversation in your classroom during your instructional time, which means if two thirds of your assessment is happening during instructional time, then you have less assessment to do at home. 
or the assessment pieces that you're marking outside of that instructional time is going to be less because you already have data collected during instructional time. As a split grade teacher, because you already have to match up what they're doing with two separate grade level expectations, we want to make sure that the products that our students are creating are going to be meaningful tasks that we are going to spend our time marking. We need to, as split grade teachers, protect our time and recognize when we need to say stop and when we need to say enough is enough. How can I simplify and make this process more efficient? We can not, we don't have to work twice as hard. Lots of the subjects that we have to teach our students can be combined between the two grade levels or thought of as a continuum where first you need to learn A before you can learn B. So you can use the train analogy that I've used many, many times where students will get on that learning train where we pick them all up, where we pick them up where they're ready and we can let them off as they're ready. So we move our learning along. We move that learning train along the continuum. We pick up our students where we meet them, where they're at, and then we let them off when they've reached that uncomfortable learning zone where we've reached kind of the height of what they're learning. We can then move them off and they can jump back on that train later and we can move them forward again. But we don't have to treat everything as separately. We do not have to stand in front of our room and every 20 minutes, okay, I'm going to teach the grade fours and then I'm going to teach the grade fives and then I'm going to go back to teach the grade fours and go back to teach the grade fives. We are not constantly flip-flopping every single day. Literacy, math, art, phys ed, drama, um, and many aspects can be taught together. The only subjects I do not recommend where you actually try to mash things together to make them fit would be science and social studies. The subjects between the two grade levels don't mash together very well. Sure, there are some that are complementary and you can follow the same type of activity for both grades, whereas the activity is different, but their style is. So you can have both of them doing an experiment or both of them doing a research activity or both of them doing a hands-on learning, both of them doing collaborative learning at the same time. I would not recommend that you try to mash them all together and try to teach one lesson to both grades that cover two separate expectations. Number one, you're probably going to do a poor job of trying to cover both expectations when you try to combine them together. You can integrate them, but you shouldn't combine them. For that reason, I use a flip-flop method with my students where I teach one grade and then while the other grade is doing an independent task and then I teach the other grade. And when I say teach, I don't necessarily mean that I am lecturing. I'm often using different inquiry-based strategies of my time and my focus or my data collection is with one grade or the other. It's also important because you are teaching a split to have a really flexible schedule. For this reason, I don't often recommend that you try to offload some of your more complicated subjects to another teacher, to a prep coverage teacher where they teach one grade and you teach the other grade or you share students between classrooms in a typical year. The reason I don't recommend this is because it makes your schedule far less flexible. You are tied to you 
using the bell times where teachers have to flip and you only have 50 minutes. You don't have the flexibility to say this lesson is taking longer. I need to take from this lesson. I need to move things. I need to spend more time on this today and less time on this tomorrow. In a split grade, flexibility in the moment is going to be your best friend. You need to be able to be adaptive and flexible to bend and trade and schedule. You need to be able to say, okay, I need to spend more time with the grade fives on the science experiment. Well, the grade fours are going to do art or drama. You need to have that flexibility or the grade fives are going to work on their writing task while I do an experiment with the grade four. Having flexibility in your schedule allows you to move things around as you need to be responsive to your students. If you are constantly trading students and trading teachers from other classes, you are very restricted to the bell times. And I found that more work because I couldn't get all of the things I wanted done. I couldn't integrate with other subjects when I wanted to and I couldn't teach them how to research in language when they could apply it in science. So for that reason, I was very, very protective of making sure that I had my split grade for most of the time so that I could be really flexible with my timetable and my schedule as I needed so I could be responsive to student need and teacher need. It also means when you're teaching a split that you do need to be really familiar with the expectations and the differences between what one grade is supposed to learn and what another grade is supposed to learn, where one grade ends and the other one begins. This is imperative in math. You need to know the difference if you're teaching a four or five split between what a four piece of writing looks like and what a five piece of writing looks like. What math is expected in grade four versus what math is expected in grade five. If you spend time really digging into the curriculum, writing it out for yourself so that you understand where one grade starts and the other grade stops, this is going to be really important for a split grade teacher so that you have a really good handle on what the difference is between your students. Because you are going to be integrating so much in the moment with your teaching to simplify your teaching and instruction, you do need to be able to see the differences between what the four is supposed to do and what a five is supposed to do, what a five is supposed to do, and what a six is supposed to do. Because we should not be expecting our younger grade in the split to be doing what our older grade is. And we also don't want to expect our older grades to only do what our younger grade students are doing. We do need to have the same task that they're going to be completing, but we need to funnel them out separately to understand what grade four success looks like and what grade five or grade six success looks like. And the best way to do that is to really study the curriculum and looking for where the differences are between those two grades so that you can recognize it when you are looking for assessing each student on their ability, as well as how we can use that train, where the grade fours get off, where the grade fives get off or where the grade sixes get off. So studying that curriculum and knowing the differences is going to be really key to your success as a split grade teacher. It's my hope that I've given you some ideas of how to approach a split grade class that you may be assigned for the upcoming year. If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email at info at madlylearning.com. And as always, if you are looking for specific split grade resources for science, social studies, differentiated math pages, or language, you can check out www.madlylearning.com forward slash shop store. Thanks so much for joining me and we will see you next week for another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. 
Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Inquiry Live podcast replay. You can find the links, resources, and more information from today's episode at www.teachingwithinquiry.com. Don't forget, you can always catch this show live on Facebook every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Madly Learning Facebook page. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Inquiry Live.